Hey everyone and welcome to this new episode of Security Headline. My name is Philip and I will be your guide throughout this journey. Joining me today in this episode is a very interesting guest from the same Swedish town I am from, Gothenburg, Sweden, on the west coast. It's a hacker, founder of various conferences, projects and companies, musicians, security evangelists, and the list goes on and on. With me today is Johan Rydberg-Muller. How are you doing today, Johan? Hi, thanks for having me. I'm doing really well. It's, uh, it's really sunny here on the West Coast today, so I've been out for a long walk. It's about all you can do in these corona times, right? Yeah, I think uh, walking has has increased its uh, consumer base a lot. <laughs> yeah. So to say. So before we, you're involved in a lot of things, and before we jump into all these projects, I want to know... Uh, how did your journey to hacking and technology start and uh, what led you here and uh, why technology? Uh, it's a good question. Uh, specifically hacking, I don't know, I got into, I was always into computers from, from when I was really young. And, um, and I guess I kind of fell into hacking because I was, I was stuck using a Mac uh, when I was a kid. So I, did, I couldn't really play many games <laughs> back in the day. So instead of like going into World of Warcraft or, or some of the other games my friends would play, I'd just have to find other things to do online. And, um, started learning about web security when uh, when the web was still when web security was still a, a fairly new thing, and um, basically learning by doing by hacking things. There weren't the kind of resources available then as there are now, obviously. But the web was a thing, so so uh, you know there are places you could learn IRC and forums and things. Started getting into that, and eventually, my, my kind of modus operandi at the time was, if I found a vulnerability in some website, I would I would contact the website owner, and mm-hmm. just let them know uh, where the vulnerability was and and uh, how I thought they could fix it. I wasn't asking for for any uh, compensation or anything. Just basically, I was a kid. I was about fifteen at the time, and at a certain point. Uh, this company in England that I got in touch with because they had a, a SQL injection vulnerability, I believe. Um, yeah. They reached they reached out to me and said, um, "Could you could you do what you did on that website on all our websites and we'll pay you for it?" Oh, nice. Uh, yeah, so that was my first foray into into hacking for profit, I guess, um, when I was fifteen, and I never looked back really. That, that's awesome. Yeah, the the field has changed a lot. It was kind of. So you're kind of doing bug bounties before bug bounties was a thing then? Yeah. Yeah. Back then, uh, it, it was kind of a toss-up if uh, the people you contact are going to threaten you with a lawsuit or or be very grateful. Uh, so yeah, it's changed a lot. Nice. Have you gotten into development, anything? Have you done some programming? And uh... Yeah. So uh, when I was about... Uh, 1920. I didn't. I, I couldn't get enough like freelance hacking work. Obviously, I had no contacts in that field really. So I decided to to study to become a web developer. Oh, okay. And so I did that for uh, about a year and a half. I studied to become a web developer, and uh, so I was just uh, actually going to start my first first job working like as a Drupal developer. I think. Uh, I actually got headhunted to uh, to an IT security consultant position um, nice. in my first week there, so that was an awkward conversation to have. But <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so uh, so that's when I started as a consultant for real uh, when I was about twenty. So that's my my uh, my short foray into development. That's nice. The security world they they got you and they pulled you straight back into it. Yeah, for sure, and and I think it's it's a good thing. I mean, it's a, it's certainly as um 
application security uh, consultant or, or a specialist, it's, it's always very helpful to have some kind of a background in development. Yeah, totally. To understand more of how it works and uh, what actually happens when you run queries and stuff like that. Yeah, exactly. That, that's cool. And for all our non-Swedish listeners, the way I, I know you is because you're very involved in uh, OVASP, the local and the local infosec uh, community here in Gothenburg in Sweden. Mm. And uh, you co-founded a company called Assured. So yeah, that's right. Why co-found that company? Uh, well, uh, that's um, that's an interesting story, and it all kind of ties back to that first consultancy gig that I got when I was twenty. So I got headhunted to this company called Omega Point, uh, which is uh, in Stockholm and Gothenburg and a few other places. And I got basically they found me on the strength of this blog I had at the time called uh, websecurity.se or websecurity.se. Okay. Uh, it doesn't exist anymore, but um, basically it was my attempt to get some kind of recognition within the IT security uh, scene, uh, if you might. Uh, so you might say, and um, what I would do is basically I would try to find vulnerabilities in like the top 100 websites in Sweden, and I would let them know if I found something, and I would post my correspondence with uh, with the, the website owners, basically to kind of determine what their level of security maturity was based on how they handled an unsolicited bug report. Oh, wow. Um, so I wouldn't drop any zero days or anything like that, but I would kind of determine where they were security-wise in terms of their response to me. And that got a bit of traction, which led to me being hired at Omega Point, where I met the people I would then start my podcast with, who coincidentally became the people I then co-founded Assured with. So at this blog, is there any well-known Swedish site that we might know of that you point to? Yeah, I mean, it's this is going back now like 10 years, but there was uh, m- most of the big newspapers, I think, some of the larger online e-commerce websites. I mean, yeah, uh, there, there were vulnerabilities to find in, in most sites back in those days and uh, not necessarily extremely damaging ones, but like a lot of cross-site scripting stuff and, and things of that nature. This was a time when everyone was running PHP, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, the glory days. <laughs> PHP or classic ASP. Yeah, I'm, I'm so happy that ASP is uh, slowly dying. Why? It's so fun to hack that. But PHP, yeah, I mean, um, yeah, if you look at a PHP application, it'll generally break, at least back in those days. I mean, now PHP has a bit of a revival. I actually don't mind PHP as a language. A lot of people have been doing good things with it. I mean, a lot of the web applications that we use every day, like Facebook and stuff like that, are based on a variant of PHP. So, I mean, it's not necessarily inherently a bad language. It's just very forgiving and it's easy to make mistakes in. Yeah, I have a friend of mine who has a theory about this, that the problem is not in uh, PHP, it's in the bad documentation. It's that there are so many documentation pieces online that are uh, that are wrong, oh, yeah. unfortunately. Even if you go on php.net, a lot of the examples there will give you security vulnerabilities. Yeah, unfortunately. So you, you started uh, Assured, but why did you want to start Assured and leave Omega Point? Is it uh, you want to do your own thing or...? Uh... Yeah, uh, basically. I mean, we were uh, after a number of years at Omega Point, the the security group at uh, at um, at Omega Point Gothenburg 
had become very tight knit. I mean, we were the same people that were doing the podcast at the time. So we knew each other very well. And at a certain point, we decided that we didn't feel like we necessarily had to be a part of a large company like Omega Point who are specialized in, in many different things like they did development and, and um, project management and all this kind of stuff. And we decided that it would be better for us if we ran a, a more focused technical security company. We thought we'd get better clients and, and have more fun that way. That's nice. And are you, are you still working for with them? or? Actually, I, le I left a short in, um, I think it was March of this year. Right, where Corona When was. Corona hit, yeah. yeah. So um, for about five, five and a half years. Okay, but what happened with your blog where you were publishing security research? Did you get tired of it and stopped or... Uh... I essentially, I mean, the blog kind of filled it, its purpose for me once I got hired. <laughs> there, was, there was no groundbreaking research by any stretch of the imagination. It was essentially just a, a fun way of me, for me to document what I was doing at the time. And, uh, and the goal was to get my name out there, and it did. And uh, once I got hired, I, I basically stopped updating it. And um, at a certain point, I felt that it became irrelevant to keep it online. So you got enough security stimulants at work then? Yes, certainly. And then, of course, as you mentioned, I, I got into a, a number of other projects uh, within within the, the security scene, like podcasting and conferences and stuff. So Yeah, because one interesting project that you were involved in is Security Fest. And for all our uh, non-Swedish listeners, which I know that the majority is not Swedish, we have basically two security conferences in Sweden, which is Sektia and Security Fest, Security Fest being a bit younger and not in the capital, it's in the second largest city, which is Gothenburg. And uh, Johan, you're one of the co-founders of the con this conference. So mm -hmm. why did you kind of want to start Security Fest and what was the journey there? Well, I think you you can uh, hit the nail on the head. I mean, there's uh, this essentially two technical security conferences at the time before Security Fest. There was one, and uh, it was in Stockholm. And uh, there's always been you know this kind of sibling rivalry between Stockholm and Gothenburg. So yeah. it only it only felt right that uh, that Gothenburg should have one too, right? And, uh, oh, yeah. and, and the security scene like uh, with OWASP and and stuff like that was actually pretty strong in Gothenburg at the time. There was a lot of interest at a, at a point when when OWASP actually wasn't very strong in Stockholm. So we felt that there was an audience in Gothenburg and people who maybe couldn't or for whatever reason didn't want to travel to Stockholm. So uh, we figured they have their conference in in the autumn. Let's have ours in spring and uh, maybe people can come to both. Nice. And how do you think it has uh, gone so far? Because it seems to be growing and growing for every year. Yeah, I mean, we, we, we've been steadily adding around about a, about 100 attendees every year since uh, since we started, nice. uh, which is nice. We've been going now for, for five years. Unfortunately, we couldn't do it this year because of Corona, but uh, hopefully we'll be back next year. It's been a tremendous amount of fun. It's uh, I mean, the Security Fest team is very small. Uh, there's only about five of us and we do everything and and um just the, the learning curve was uh was pretty steep uh when, when you realize that all of a sudden you have to find speakers from all over the world and have them travel to gothenburg and have sponsors come aboard and and figure everything out with streaming and ctfs and all that kind of stuff but it's been a lot of fun nice that's very nice what can we uh you're doing are you doing next year 
Uh, we still haven't really decided. It's um, it's really tough right now. We've seen that some conferences have actually uh, already canceled for next year for conferences that would have been next spring. Um, traditionally, we've had our conference at near the end of May. Um, I don't know. We, we we could probably do it, but we're not sure if people would show up. <laughs> uh, so. So it's uh, on the other hand, it would be really sad to have to go two years without organizing a conference. So at this point, we, we just don't really know. All right, we have to wait and see, wait and see. Something I think is very was very fun about the Security Fest conference. I've been going once or or, or twice, I think. And there were, you hired a tattoo guy, yeah, to come to the after party and tattoo the logo into people. That's true. I think that was our second year um yeah our, our we've we've had <laughs> we've we've tried to make our our uh, our parties uh, as interesting as possible i think uh the first year we had our, our after party in a bunker in a mountain and it was it was completely crazy with a lot of basically an entirely open bar and nice. djs and fire breathers and things um we relaxed slightly since then because um, a lot of people didn't show up for day two, uh, for obvious reasons. Um, <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, but the second year, yeah, we had a we had a t- tattoo artist on site who would tattoo our logo on on whatever body part you wanted, and if it was free, and if you did it, you got free entrance to the conference for life. And people actually got the logo tattooed. How many got their logo tattoo? Do you know that? Yeah, he, he was busy during the entire party. Unfortunately, I only think he got around to, to actually doing it for like five or six people. That was the was the time limit we had. But uh, but yeah, I think five five or six people actually have the logo on their bodies at this point, which is crazy. That is amazing. I mean, it must be really cool to create something. And then the second year, people are so such fans that actually tattoo the logo yeah uh, it's it's mad yeah it's (laughs) absolutely crazy that's cool so that's a nice way to get lifetime access then yeah i don't know i know someone said well i mean you're giving away lifetime entrance what if someone tattoos it who's not at the party and i'm like yeah go for it uh (laughs) in my opinion (laughs) if you want to make that investment i'll happily pay for you to come to our conference for life yes that is yeah that's very cool and uh, very good marketing and brand awareness uh, right there <laughs> yeah for people interested in attending this conference how do they kind of stay up to date uh well the easiest thing is to go on our website securityfest.com or uh, follow us on twitter at securityfest and uh, and you'll find all the update there updates there but go on our website sign up for the newsletter that's uh, definitely the easiest way totally and, and you mentioned something uh, a couple of minutes ago uh, the you you co-founded the first swedish security podcast called säkerhets podcasten which is swedish for security podcast could you tell us a bit about that because the, you're kind of pioneering the field there being the first yeah it's um uh, this is an idea I had um, shortly after starting at Omega Point. Uh, so I was still really young. I didn't really know what I was doing. And I I was thrown into this company and this group of people who I felt uh, knew way more about IT security than I did, which was true at the time. I, well, they still do. Uh, <laughs> but, um, but basically, I felt that I needed a reason to, to sit down and, and pick their brains for a couple of hours every month. 
and I uh, came up with the idea of starting a podcast and we got the company to pay for the equipment and um and uh yeah that's that's how that's how it goes and it's been uh, we've been doing it now for for eight years actually oh wow so it's a pretty long running podcast we're coming up on 200 episodes now so we've been doing pretty steadily two episodes a month for for eight years which is crazy oh that's interesting and this was before the the podcast started blooming a lot so podcast was a bit of a new field then right not everyone yeah. was doing it and uh... no it hadn't become the 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 mainstream thing that it is now really at the time uh i think we were just it was just starting to happen when when we when we got into it it's about eight years ago um yeah but um but uh it's been really fun yeah that's amazing eight years well, what a time. So something I want to pick your brain about is you, you're working on a project called Security Without Borders. Mm-hmm. What is that? Uh, well, I have to correct you slightly because I'm actually not actively involved in this project anymore. Uh, okay. But it started out as a conversation between me and Andreas Lind, who's a, a fellow security a specialist and now a colleague as well. We were sitting around at a bar uh, many years ago now, and uh, we were basically talking about what we could do to give back to not just the community, but but kind of the the world, <laughs> if that's not too grandiose. Um, yeah. And um, this was kind of on the heels of, of when um, some very far right politicians and parties were coming into power in, in Sweden. So that was kind of on the top of our top of our uh, minds at the time. So we start we wanted to start uh, an initiative that we were calling Hackers Against Racism, uh, which would basically be us giving away free security advice and and free security work to organizations that worked against uh, far-right extremism. Was this uh, only in Sweden or was it more on a global scale? Uh, initially, we, we were wanted to do it in Sweden and then we thought, no, we might as well do this globally. And uh, this is an idea that we bounced around for a while and we got some people involved. Uh, at a certain point, we, we got in touch with a guy called Claudio Guarnieri from, from Amnesty. And um, he wanted to work on this with us, but uh, we kind of ex- expanded the scope from Hackers Against Racism to, to uh, Security Without Borders. Uh, to Essentially, the, the idea was, was very similar to give free security advice and, and, uh, and help organizations that otherwise wouldn't have access to, our, to pay our, you know, our consultancy fees. So like freedom fighters, women's organizations, journalists, etc. People who have some kind of threat against them, essentially. Um, we wanted to help. And um, so that's where, where that kind of started. And, and we did it for a while. Unfortunately, life intervened and um, I got extremely busy with, with the short and everything else. And um, I had to take a step back from that. Um, Claudio is still is still running it to some extent, and I, I know there's now similar initiatives that uh, do the same thing. So it's 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 grown, and it's it's good to see. That's nice to be able to inspire other people to do the same. Yeah, I mean, hopefully we we did that in some small way. Yeah, that's cool. Is there any any name that we know that you've worked with and helped them with security? Uh, nothing I can mention. Okay. Obviously, this is some somewhat sensitive. Of course, of course, of course. 
Do you have any other fun side projects that you're very excited about and currently working on on your free time? Uh, I mean, my, my free time has been pretty busy with with um, with running the company and then then Security Fest and the podcast. So, so at the moment, uh, now I, I've stepped back from a short. Uh, I'm now working for uh, Recurity Labs, based out of Berlin. Oh. So that has that has freed up time. So we'll see. Uh, hopefully, there'll be something uh, something new, something interesting. Uh, now that I have the the opportunity. Cool. The future awaits them. What are you yeah. doing at uh, at your current uh, job then? Are you doing pen testing and security, or what are you doing? Yeah, I'm I'm doing pen testing, um, essentially exclusively everything from from web applications to embedded uh, mobile and uh, everything else, and it's a lot of fun. And that's kind of the the reason I, I left Assured was not because of any animosity or anything like that. It was. Um, Essentially, I felt that that um, with the company growing the way it was, I didn't feel like I had as much time to actually focus on the technical part of things. Yeah. I had to spend more time being a bit of a boss, which is not necessarily my favorite thing in the world. And um, and go going over to Recurity Labs uh, gave me a lot of freedom to to basically work hands on with with the stuff I love, and that got me into security in the first place, and and giving me some some time over to hopefully work on other side projects as well. That's awesome, the the true engineering spirit right there. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. Do you have any uh, recommendation for uh, companies to improve their uh, security? Is there any like low-hanging fruit that you see as a pen tester or a common patterns between each company? Oh, wow. I mean, it, it, it very much depends on the company and, and what, what it is they're doing. In terms of technical stuff, it would depend on what your product is. I mean, if you have a web application, there's obviously low-hanging fruit that you should be aware of. But um, I think... I think that what we're seeing within sort of DevSecOps, uh, like getting developers more focused on security, uh, starting to think about security way early in the process, pushing left, as like uh, Tanya Yanka would, would say, is uh, I think a very good idea. I think uh, the, the the earlier in the, in the development process that we actually focus on security, the, the less you have to pick up on the back end. And that tends to cost a lot more money and resources. Yeah, don't wait until something happens. Basically, yeah, basically that's that's when it's that's when it gets really tough. So yeah, let's jump into some uh, quick questions to get to know you better. What's your mm -hmm. favorite drink? Oh wow, um, what's my favorite drink? I'm a, I'm a sucker for a good gin and tonic. Oh nice. When do you feel the most happy in your week? When do you feel that you're peaking on happiness? Whenever I find a really critical bug, <laughs> you're getting that dopamine uh, rush. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, like 15 years later, doing this, still the same rush. Yeah, that's amazing. What's your favorite outside activity? Oof. Um, good question. Uh, my favorite. I mean, <laughs> that's a very good question for for a, a very nerd focused <laughs> podcast. Uh, I mean, I, I like being outdoors. Uh, fishing is always fun. I, I tend to go up to, to our, our summer home up in Vanamland, which is slightly north of Gothenburg, and I try to do as much fishing every summer as I can. That's nice. Very relaxing and, uh, and calm. Yeah, very, very non-technical, very, very uh, very offline, which I think is, you have to have that balance. 
Nice. What operating system do you use on your main machine? Uh, I think I might actually uh, stick out a little bit from, from most people here because I actually use Mac and I use Mac OS. And I think it's just because it was the first system I used and I've been doing it now for uh, over 20 years, way longer actually. So um, it's the system I'm, I'm very comfortable with. And then obviously I virtualize everything else. So if I need Linux or Windows or whatever, I can easily, easily virtualize. But yeah, my, my main system is Mac. Oh, that's nice. Uh, workflow. How does your workflow look like when you're supposed to start your day and boot up your computer and do stuff? What do you do? Um, well, depending on the, it depends on the project. Um, but um, I mean, hope maybe I'm doing a web application pen test. If it's a new project, it's obviously I have to uh, get comfortable with the scope and uh, read the documentation that's available. Figure out what my resources are. Do I have source code? Whatever, whatever else do I have? Try to figure out what the landscape is, what the application actually does, and then uh, then I get into it. Fire up burp. That's nice. And do you do uh, do you have like a special workflow? Or do you like allocate time on a special way, or do you like sit down and uh, you start working and then you stop working, or do you take breaks and how does that mm. work? Um, I could probably be way more structured than I am. Mm -hmm. I tend to to fire up my computer after breakfast, and that can be anywhere from between eight a.m. till ten a.m usually and then um and then i kind of work until i get really hungry or go for lunch or go for a walk get back into it i take micro breaks but it, it's not like i'm using a pomodoro technique or anything like that i'm not yeah. i'm not actually following a stopwatch um so i just kind of go with the flow and sometimes that means i'll end up working till four in the morning because I'm into something very interesting and sometimes that means i'll take the afternoon off if i'm not feeling feeling uh, productive okay how many hours per sleep do you get uh, each night um it depends but i try to get at least um seven or eight hours okay what's your favorite internet scanner and or port scanner uh, you can't go wrong with nmap but <laughs> um i i think best scanner the only scanner I use is, I mean, if we're not talking port scanners, if we're talking application scanners, the only one I actually use is, is uh, Burp, which, I mean, it'll find some stuff that their ports are always uh, working on, on, um, on making it better. And they're doing a really good job over there. Obviously, you shouldn't just fire off a scan and, and then think that's a pen test. It's not. Yeah. But it'll occasionally uh, discover things that are worth uh, looking into further. Yeah. Awesome. What's your favorite song or band? Now, that's a good question. Uh, and uh, and it's uh, completely impossible to, to answer, obviously. Um, it really, really depends on, on the mood. Today, when I was walking, I was listening to Bruce Springsteen's new album. Oh, nice. um, so that's just very fresh in my mind. But I, I enjoy everything from jazz to thrash metal. So take your pick. Nice. Nice. I, I love Bruce Springsteen's song, Land of Hope and Dreams. I think it's yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, that's a really good one. 
It's, I mean, you can't, you kind of get Bruce Springsteen with your, you know, uh, if you're, if you're, uh, if you're born and raised in Gothenburg, he's a, he's a huge phenomenon here. Uh, I don't know why that is. It's just, uh, always been the case. Yeah. And also the punk scene, uh, is very big in Gothenburg as well. Like yeah. Punk the punk scene, and, uh, the indie scene and the rock scene has always been very strong in Gothenburg and, um, in, in Stockholm, you get more kind of, uh, synth and house acts. I feel. Are you born and raised in uh, in Gothenburg, or did you move here for for work? Or no, I was I was uh, born in Gothenburg. Oh, nice! And you're also you're producing a bit of songs on your free time, and uh, you're into music, right? Yeah, I dabble a bit. I, I used to play in bands and things like that. I'm, I'm not at the moment, but uh, a lot of my friends are professional musicians. So I, I have a lot of fun just basically following what they're doing. And uh, occasionally I'll, I'll uh, play something live or record a song or something like that. But it's, uh, well, it's a fun hobby. Nice. Are you currently working on anything? Not right at the moment, but there are some ideas, you know, uh, popping around. So we'll see if, if uh, something comes to that. Nice. I have this uh, fun, uh, fun thing I wanted to, to tell you that you, you wrote, uh, you released a Swedish song on SoundCloud called right now. Anyhow, we were, uh, I, I lived in Montenegro for a bit over a year and we were, uh, we were at this like after party and it was like four in the morning and we watched the sunrise and then we put on your song and just had this amazing moment. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow. Uh, yeah, I, th I think you're talking about um, a, a cover I did of Shell Haglund. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, it's called Natoget Lemna Perong, and it's a uh, yeah, I love that song. Yeah, it's, it's a really good, uh, it's a really good song, and it was funny because it we were like how uh, I many were we were like seven people and only two Swedish people, so no one knew the lyrics or could <laughs> understand the words, but they were like, oh, he can sing and it's like a good rhythm and stuff like that. So everyone enjoyed it. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's all you can ask for. That sounds amazing. Thanks for that. Yeah. What's your favorite uh, IRC client? Oof, good question. Uh, I'm actually not on IRC that much anymore. I think uh, a lot of it's moved on to, to other things uh, for Swedish security conversations. Now, most of the stuff is on Telegram. So uh, I'm not necessarily on IRC that much anymore. If you have to choose an IRC client, if someone put uh, broke into your house and put a, a gun to your head. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> uh, oh, I don't know. Merrick, maybe. <laughs> I haven't... Uh, used one in a while well, colloquy i use sometimes hmm. i'm not sure favorite? if it's better or worse than any of the other ones but yeah what's your favorite karaoke song what's your favorite uh, song to sing at karaoke Ooh, uh it'll have to be some probably a bruce springsteen song <laughs> i would imagine um maybe born to run oh yeah that's a good one yeah uh, What's the latest interesting proof of concept exploit or vulnerability that you read and thought, oh, wow, this is really smart? Mm. I think the, the research that James Kettle has been doing has been really interesting. So that's going back to, um, let me see if I can remember um, all the stuff here. Let, give me a second. Yep. 
so yeah, and he was he had a uh, um some really interesting research uh, in, in a talk he did called Cracking the Lens. Okay. Uh, and um, I think that's uh, that's very interesting. He, he's basically talking about um, how, how you can attack backend systems um, through using uh, different headers that, that people might not be aware will be used by backend systems and, and, and things of that nature. I'm not giving a good explanation at all at the moment, but you should check out James Kettle's um, research. Uh, it's on uh, Portswigger. And uh, check out his didn't, talk, Cracking the Lens. Didn't he do the HTTP smuggling thing? Yes. Or exactly. oh, Okay, so that, that guy, he's pretty... Isn't he hired by the Burp people? Or Yeah, he works at Portswigger. Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah the people who, who make burp. Uh, yeah. burp. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, oh that's cool. It's and um, his uh, these, uh, HTTP desync attacks, and it was really cool. And uh, his web caching attacks as well. So I think uh, that's that's some interesting research. That's nice. What what technology are you most excited about that is going to be released, or what do you want to see people kind of? work on more or be in, invented? What technology are you most excited about in the future? Mm, any future technology? <laughs> uh, flying cars, maybe? Do you no, really uh, want a flying car over your head while you're, <laughs> <laughs> you're walking your dog or something like that? <laughs> no, no, I definitely don't. Um, that sounds like a, a horrible idea. <laughs> but uh, I, I don't know, from... Um, I think there's there's some interesting stuff going on in browsers at the moment. What's going on from a privacy perspective? I think that that's kind of cool. I know Apple is actually doing uh, some good work in that that arena. Um, Jan Belander is an old uh, old friend who's doing a lot of good work over there in terms of um, um, privacy built into the browser, and um, I think that's uh, that's worth um, paying more attention to. That's awesome. So, is there anything we missed that you would like to cover? Uh, I think we got to a lot of it. <laughs> I mean, if um, if people find any of this stuff interesting, they're happy to reach out to me. I'm I'm always available. How do people reach out to you? Easiest way is probably to just find me on Twitter. So you can obviously search for my name, or my handle is at Johan R Muller. So that's J O H A N R M O L L E R. Awesome. We'll have that linked in the show below. All right, Johan, thank you so much for taking the time with me today. And, oh, thanks uh, for having me. This is a lot of fun. Yeah, totally. Enjoy the rest of your day. Thanks, you too. Bye. Bye. Jag har haft samma känsla förut Det är inte första gången Den här känslan av att vara ett fallande löv i vinden Som när någon sticker hål på den vackraste ballongen Just när tåget lämnar perrongen Jag minns varenda ton, vartenda ord i den gamla sången Som om tiden så stilla i 400 år Som om fängelseporten öppnats för den allra sista fången Just när tåget lämnar perrongen 
Du växer inga blommor i betongen Jag tio dollar kvar för att hålla hungen stången Just när tåget lämnar perrongen Det sitter en dag på taket och det rotar en råtta i källan Och det simmar omkring en fluga i buljongen Romeo spanar förgäves efter juli Det smyger svarta skuggor ibland gränderna och prången Det är något som rör sig precis i ögonbrån Jag har haft samma känsla förut Det är inte första gången just när tåget lämnar perrongen Det finns något bortom bergen, bortom blommorna Sången, det där tickande kan det vara en tidsinställd bomb Som om fängelseporten öppnats för den allra sista fången 